Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Good morning. It has been a wonderful, wonderful, great, and marvelous day already. And uh, we're, we're grateful for that, grateful for you being here with us. And um, I, uh, I pray that our time together... Um, that remains will be an encouragement to you. If you have your Bibles, open them to uh, John, the 18th chapter, the 18th chapter of John. We're in a series that we began uh, several weeks back that we have just entitled uh, simply uh, Tough Questions uh, that Jesus answered. There were lots of questions that people asked Jesus while he walked the earth, and we've we've chosen a few select ones that we're looking at Uh, Today, we're going to look at a question that was asked of Jesus just before he was crucified, just very shortly before he was crucified. And hopefully, you'll see that Jesus actually gives the answer before the question uh, gets gets asked. So if you have your Bibles, open them to John chapter 18. We're going to start reading in verse 33. Verse 33. It says, so Pilate, Pilate entered his headquarters again. And called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Now, that's, that's a question, but that's not the one we're going to deal with today. We'll deal with that next week, okay? You good with that? We'll, we'll deal with the king question next week, okay? Jesus answered, do you say this on your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. And then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? That last question is the question that I want us to deal with this morning, this question of what is truth. And that was the word of the Lord that we read from, and I'm asking that he would bless it. Now, the night before that conversation took place with Pilate, Jesus was in an upper room. He was having what we affectionately sometimes refer to as the Last Supper. He was with his disciples, and Jesus had addressed with them this issue of truth. He addressed that with them. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus was answering another question that Philip asked, but, and Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. Jesus here in John 14, 6, says that truth is found in him, that he is truth. So this is the big idea for the day that I want you to just be captured by out of the gate, that truth is a person and can be known. The person of Jesus Christ, all truth is found in him. There is not a truth that exists on this planet or in this universe that is not in Jesus, okay? 
So here's what I, I want to do. I want to begin, before we go any further, with a question. Let me, let me get a question out here. Have you ever felt, you know, this deep feeling that something you were considering doing was the absolute right thing to do? I mean, really felt it down in your gut, your heart, all the data lined up, and you said, this is the right thing to do. But later, in hindsight, found out, nah, that wasn't the right thing to do. That was the wrong thing to do. Anybody, anybody ever, ever, every normal human being knows what I'm talking about. We, we've all experienced that uh, on multiple occasions. Well, why? Why does that happen? Why is it I can feel like it's so right, but it ended up being so wrong? Well, just a couple of thoughts. First of all, you and I never, ever, ever have 100% of the facts in any given circumstance. We, we, we never do. Secondly, because we're not God, we can't possibly conceive of all the possible outcomes and consequences of decisions that we make. And third is because everything we think and everything we feel in and of itself is not true. Sometimes it's not even rooted in, in reality. Just because we think it doesn't make it true. Just because we feel it doesn't make it right. And in fact, sometimes following those lead us into disastrous consequences. The book of Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 says this, some people think they are doing right, but in the end it leads to death. I mean, some people pursue what they think is right full on, full steam ahead, and it leads to death and destruction. You know, we don't, we don't always set out to do the wrong things, but oftentimes the things we do can have disastrous consequences. You know, what may feel right is just, is wrong. And part of that is because we need more absolute authority and truth in our lives than what we have in and of ourselves, than what we can obtain in and of ourselves. You know, our feelings and, and our intentions and our experiences are not enough. And that's true because of what this Bible says about us, about the core of our own being, that we're, we're not the most reliable you know, indicators of what is true and right and good all, all the time because we all share the human condition. And God's Word tells us something about the human condition. Uh, God, through the prophet Jeremiah, spoke these words of truth, and it says this, the human mind, some translations say the human heart, the human mind is the most deceitful of all things. It is incurable. No one can understand how deceitful it is. Now, friends, this self-deceived condition often leads us to lots of false assumptions, and it, it causes us to develop a, sense, a system, if you would, of bogus beliefs. We just believe all kinds of, of bogus things, and it leads to our destruction. And it drives us farther away in our personal relationship with, with Christ, who is the truth. It leads us away from truth. Now, weeks ago, when I realized, ooh, boy, we're going to get to deal with what is truth. This is going to be fun. And I really thought where we were going, we were going to deal with apologetics. 
And we were going we, we to look at some tools and equip people with tools to, to, to defend our faith the way that Jude, uh, chapter 1, verse 3 says we should. We, you know, we, we're going we're gonna to defend our faith. But here's one of the things that happened uh, on Tuesday. Tuesday's my study day. I try, usually hide and, and really dig in. And as I was digging into God's word, one of the things that became clear very quickly is we battle this issue of self-deception and bogus beliefs so deeply that if we were to go out fully equipped to debate, to try to do Christian apologetics, while at the same time we are not integrated in our own faith, we don't really do what we say we believe, we would do more harm than good. And so I said, put on the brakes, back, back this train up a little bit, we need to deal with something else, is kind of what I felt like the Lord or pointed out. And so what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at several, if you would, seven actually, uh, of many. There are many, many more. But I want us to look at seven, what I think of as very common beliefs that, that we, we battle with. Now see, Jesus told us something in John chapter 8 about himself and about, about truth. He, he said this. He said, you're truly my disciples if... You live as I tell you to, because then you can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It, it, only then, when we're living that way, will we be free in Jesus to go out into the world and declare the truth about Jesus, to defend our faith. But we've got to do what, what, it's, what he tells us to do. And Jesus wants us free that way. He wants that our practical beliefs to be integrated with what we say we believe. And so it's, it's so important. But we, we have so many bogus beliefs, so many places where we're self-deceived. And here's what it does. It keeps us from knowing truth. So what are some of those? What are these things that keep us from really knowing truth and therefore keep us from being able to display it and defend it out in the world? Here's the first one that I want us to deal with. Believing that hearing God's word means I've obeyed it. It will keep me from really knowing the truth. Friends, again, very common, I think, bogus belief that so many of us give into. We think that because we came to church today and because you didn't fall asleep, so please don't fall asleep, uh, we, 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 we think that because you listened to the message, I've done it. I got it. Here we go. You can leave. Good to go, you know. You can go out there and you can defend the faith. Now, you may have been one who went as far as you printed out a worksheet before you got here. You know, we, we email this thing out so that you can, the weekly updates, so you can print out the worksheet and, and do it. Or, or maybe you're on your phone and you're not really, you know, doing Facebook. You're really actually on the app that's downloaded the worksheet and you're actually filling those things in. You're, you're interacting. But even that doesn't mean that you're doing the Word of God. And God's word says we've got to do it. Look at James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so do what? Deceive yourself. Friends, there are ways that you buy into bogus beliefs. You deceive yourself when you just listen and don't do what God's word says. You, you, you got to do what it says. So if you're listening right now and you don't do anything with it, with what we're going to deal with today, it's, it's not going to, you, you, you'll be self-deceived. 
You will have bought into a bogus belief. And it's really critical if you want to know the truth and know it in such a way that you get set free, you gotta, you got to blow up these bogus beliefs. you got, you got to get rid of this one. I want you to see James 1.22 in a couple of other translations. In uh, a New Century Version, it says this, Do what God's teaching says. When you only listen and do nothing, you're just fooling yourself. You're, you're, just, you're just fooling yourself. Now, why? why? Why is just listening, you know, fooling yourself? Well, there, there was a study done. Actually, I think it was the 70s, maybe early 70s, by the United States Air Force. And the study said uh, the results were this, that we forget 90 to 95% of what we hear within 72 hours. So here's what this means. If all you do is listen to what we talk about today, all you do is listen, then Wednesday morning, poof, 90, 95% of it's gone. Now, if you wanted to press a public speaker, tell them that on your way out. You know, say, I got this study. Yeah, that, that's a depressing thought. And so we work hard around here to give you a little bit of extra help. We try to provide these worksheet things that help you interact with the Word of God, hoping you'll retain it a little bit more. And our, our staff will tell you, especially Kim Blake will tell you, that, that that's the thing that you just, you know, I work hard, harder on that than just about anything else because we want to we give you something to help. That's what shepherds do. That's what pastors do. They try to help you grow, grow in your faith. And so we, we put these worksheets together. But even those, you fill in all the blanks, you put extra notes all around them, even that is not what God is speaking of here. You can do all that and still have bought into a bogus belief of thinking if I just do that instead of actually doing what it says, I'll be good. Look at the, the way the message translates this. Don't fool yourself letting the word go in one ear and out of the other. Anybody out there, a parent ever feels like, you know, that with your kids maybe? Or kids, you ever feel like that with your parents? It just goes in, what you say goes in one <laughs> Don't not too too violently over here. Some are going, yeah. The um sometimes I think God feels like that about us. In one ear, out the other. Just goes in one ear, out the other. It, it goes on to say, act on what you hear. Now, writing it down and retaining it is a helpful step in that, but you gotta go do it next, or it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Jesus said in John 13, 17, this. He said, I know, now if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Friends, th this book is filled with promises of blessing from God, filled with them. But guess what? You'll never access those blessings until you do what it says you need to do to get the blessing. We, we, we've got to do what it says. That, that's Jesus' promise. That's how we access the blessing. You know, when, when we mistaken, mistakenly think, yeah, I've heard all those sermons, man. I'm, I'm good to go. I'm spiritually mature. You could have listened to 20,000 sermons. And if you won't do one thing that they say, nothing. Really no, no value. You've got to obey what God's word says. Second bogus belief that we buy into is this. Believing that I've earned and I deserve all that I have will keep me from really knowing truth, really walking in truth. Friend, in our world, we admire 
In our culture, we, we, we idolize the self-made person. You know, the, the people that we look at and say, you know, they pulled themselves up by their own bootstrap. And they don't even own a pair of boots. How do they do that, you know? It's, it's this, this idea that there's such a thing as a self-made person. Did you make your eyes? Your ears? Your brains that give you the ability to have good ideas and implement those good ideas, maybe in a workplace environment, maybe that allows you to have increase? You know, you didn't. Now, God wants you to succeed but you'll never completely succeed in this thing called life without acknowledging that you only did it by God's help. See, God could have had you born to other parents in another place, in another time. I mean, it, it, God could have done all that, but he, he provided for you. And he, he does that not only for believers. He does it for unbelievers. Unbelievers should stop and, and even recognize that what they have comes from God. There's a, a story it's not a story, it's a, an account from history, his, his story. Uh, in uh, the, the, the prophet Isaiah speaks of it. God, God has called an Assyrian king to come and attack his own people. God's going to use this Assyrian king for the purpose of disappointing his own people because they have walked uh, away from God. They turned their backs on him. But that king, after defeating the nation of Israel, becomes boastful and prideful. And look at God, how God says, I'm going to handle this pagan king. He says, I will punish the king of Assyria for the willful pride of his heart and the haughty look in his eyes. For he says, by, my, by the strength of my hand, I have done this. And by my wisdom, I plundered their treasures. Like a mighty one, I subdued their kings. Who's he crediting for his success? I'm in mine. I'm in mine, I'm in mine, I'm in mine. It's all about me. That's what he's doing. He, he doesn't turn and look to God. He was claiming to have done it on his own. And God says, uh-uh. No, sir, Bob. We're going to deal with this. And God will deal with this in our own hearts. Friends, this is a, a, a place of self-deception that is rampant in our culture in the United States. This idea that you know, everything I own, I, I earned, I deserve it. It's mine. It was all done by my effort. I don't know. This is one of those great self-deceptive spaces, and it drives us from the person of truth. It drives us farther from God because it causes us eventually to forget God. God's word tells us in James chapter 1, verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father. If you have something good in your life, if you have something that you just feel like it's just, man, it was the perfect thing for me, that's from God. You didn't, you didn't manage that because you're this self-made person. And buying into that lie, that bogus belief, drives you further from hearing the voice of God, drives you further away from the truth. Third bogus belief I want us to look at today is this. Believing that I'm mature, that I'm mature in my faith, believing that while not controlling my tongue. That'll keep me from really knowing the truth. 
You know, there, there's in Scripture, a lot, the, the Bible has a lot of do, to say about our mouths and managing them and, and, and our tongue. And it's not going to come up on the screen, but in James chapter 3, uh, James compares our tongue to a wildfire that is out of control, just out of control. Our tongue can do that. It's very destructive. But uh, James goes on to also write about it. Uh, this in James chapter 1, verse 26, he says, uh, do any of you think you are religious? Do, I mean, do you think you're spiritually mature? Do you think of yourself that way? Do you think, I walk closely with the truth? But you do not control your tongue. Then your religion is worthless. And you deceive yourself. If, if you're not controlling your tongue, and in our day, I think we need to add texts and posts and tweets to that. If you're not controlling words that come out of your body, if your words aren't building others up, then your faith, the way that you're pursuing your faith is worthless. It's not adding any value in your life because it shows that you're not walking with truth. You're not walking in the truth. You're not worshiping in spirit and in truth. You're walking further away from Jesus. Our mouths are one of the best measurements for our maturity. Our mouths are, are, are just like that. What we speak is a litmus test to our spiritual maturity. What's one of the first things that a doctor does when you go for an examination? Open your mouth, stick out your tongue, say, ah. Why? Because he can tell a lot about your physical health by what's going on in your mouth. And the same is true of spiritual health. A lot can be told by what's going on coming, coming out of our, our mouths. Our tongue is a great kind of test for what's going on in our heart. James chapter 1, verse 26, the message translates this, this way. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game, this idea that your religion is just all about external, just being seen, just talking a good game, is self-deceived. If that's what your faith is about, it's just kind of looking good, talking a good game, you're self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air. Some people think they're filled with the Spirit when all they're filled with is hot air. You're just filled with hot air, not the Spirit. And you've got to be careful of that. You're self-deceived this way. If, if, you, if you buy into this, this bogus belief, you'll just drift farther and farther away. Fourth bogus belief that I want us to look at is believing that my point of view is God's point of view. It'll keep me from really knowing the truth. Friends, when we get to a place where we think that our political opinions and our points of views and our theological viewpoints and, and our opinions about the best way to fix the economy and the immigration issue and global, when we're, when we're certain that God is waiting for me to state my point of view so he knows what his is, We've messed up. We're in a dark, dark place. When we believe for a moment that God holds the same point of view that we do. Have you ever met anybody who thinks they are right pretty much all the time? Well, you saw them today when you looked in the mirror. We all do. I mean, we just do. We all pretty much think we're 
you know, pretty much always right. We, we, we just think that, that we're always right about, uh, about all things. It gets us into so much trouble, you know, when we, when we, when we begin to believe this. And it's not, it's not that unusual. It's part of the human nature. Uh, when Job was being kind of charged by some of his friends with some things that they wanted to point out in his life, one of his friends called Job out on something. And it had to do with this. Look at Job chapter 11, verse 3 and following. This is one of Job's friends speaking. He said, will no one rebuke you when you mock? You say to God, my beliefs are flawless and I am pure in your sight. Now, you may not say that out loud, but oftentimes we think that in our hearts. Just, you know, we claim these things in our own mind, thinking that we're, we're right about everything, about politics, just, just about everything. Now, it, it's one thing, you know, to, to, to believe that and think that about things, but when you start thinking that God holds your opinions about all these things too, uh, again, just really, you're in a bad place. And friends, in the Christian community over the last two years, we have seen this rampant. Everybody's speaking from, with a different voice on God. Listen to what God says about that kind of conversation. Isaiah chapter 55. God says, my thoughts, not yours. My ways, not yours, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Not only are my thoughts not yours, they are like far apart. What I think, the way I operate, so far different fr from you. God says, my perspective is different from yours. My opinions are different from yours. If you believe that God is a member of your political party, then you don't know the God of this book. Because he says he's not, he's not a member of any political party happening on, on planet Earth. He's not. Listen to Jesus' words. We just read this a moment ago. Jesus said this to Pilate. He said, John 18, my kingdom is not of this world. God's kingdom is not of this world. Friends, the political party that Christians should be most, first and foremost known by is being a member of the KOG party, the kingdom of God party. Not any other political party. Followers of Jesus should most be known by being members of the KOG. Not any other, you know, initial party, just, just the KOG. Now, I could rant and rave on this for a long, long time, but I'm going to save that for next week because we're going to deal with the king question that Pilate asks next week. Okay, so I'm just going to kind of move by this, but just do not confuse your politics with the purposes of God. They are not the same. God said they're, they're so different. High as the heaven is above the earth, just so different. Now, just kind of based on that thought for, for a moment, that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. One of the ways that you can kind of ask, discern where you're at on this issue, on this bogus belief, is to answer this question. When's the last time you changed your mind? Have you changed your mind about some, maybe some big issues 
since you've become an adult, are you still locked into the same way of thinking on all issues that you've had since you were 18? If you have, you may be stuck. You may have bought into this bogus, bogus belief. Even the Apostle Paul, whose mind, oh my goodness, Paul's mind fascinates me. Paul had to change his mind. In Acts chapter 26, verse 9, we read about one of those places. Paul says this, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And obviously, Paul changed his mind on that one. There's some other things Paul changed his mind on that the scriptures tell us about. See, friends, God wants us to be clear on something. God wants us to be clear that he cares about people, all people, even people who disagree with our opinions. And we need to realize, even about their views, that God's ways are higher than their ways and thoughts higher than their thoughts. But we're called to love them, even when they differ from ours. In Jeremiah chapter 14, the Lord declared this through the prophet. He said, there are prophets who are telling lies in my name. I did not send them or tell them to speak or give them any message. The prophecy of visions and revelations, they have never seen nor heard. They speak foolishness concocted out of their own lying hearts. And God says, I'll punish that. There are a lot of people running around claiming that God has the same perspective that, that they do. It's a dangerous place. God says, man, he's going to punish that. Never think your views are God's views. Bogus belief number five. Believing that keeping current is what makes me wise will oftentimes keep me from walking in knowing, knowing the truth intimately. When I, when I stop, start thinking that if I can just keep up with all the news that's going on in the world, all the, all the happenings in the world, that somehow I'm going to you know, gain great wisdom. You know, if I can keep up with the... The, the lyrics of the latest, you know, song that's out there or, or, or keep up with the latest sports statistics or if I can keep up with the latest celebrity gossip, you know, thinking that if I can keep up with what's going on in the world makes me wise leads to self-deception. You know, spending more time taking in your favorite news feeds through your favorite channels Spending more time gobbling news than you do gobbling the good news of God's word is a recipe for self-destruction. It's a recipe that, that, will, that, that will drive you farther away from, from the Lord. It will not make you wise. You only get true wisdom from the God of all wisdom. And he has recorded his wisdom between these covers from Genesis to Revelation, the wisdom of God revealed. And it was mostly revealed, this book tells us, in Jesus. Look at what Paul writes to the church at Corinth to, and tells them about this. In 1 Corinthians 3, he says, don't fool yourself. Again, hear that. Don't, don't fool yourself. Don't, don't give in to deception. Don't think that you can be wise merely by being up to date with the times. Friends, what that's saying is even if you could possibly take in everything that comes across the news feed, that's out there in the news media, it won't make you wise. Why? Because a lot of it's not true. A lot of it is false information. A lot of it is fake news. And there are not enough fact checkers on the planet to check everything that's being said out there. 
But you know what has been fact-checked for millennia? For thousands and thousands of years? The Word of God. People have really scrutinized and fact-checked this book, and it is faithful. It is the faithful guide to the wisdom of God. Don't give in to the bogus beliefs that if you just suck in everything that the world's throwing out there, all the information, that it's going to make you wise. It's not. God has spoken to his people and, and, and shown us wisdom. Look at Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 8. God says to his people through Jeremiah, look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Don't trust everything that's going out there. Trust in the word of the Lord. Trust in that. Next bogus belief is that I have the right to judge others. I think I have the right to judge others, and this will keep me from really knowing, knowing the truth, you know? And I think this is one of those that really, if we'll listen to it and, and step into it, the Holy Spirit will tell us that that, one, that one's hitting close to home. Friends, when we judge others, we deceive ourselves. God says over and over and over in his word, do not judge others. But we, we falsely assume that we can actually know the motives of other people. Friends, you don't. I don't. We don't really know the motives of other people. You don't even know what motivates you to do half of what you do. And neither do I. You know, do you ever walk away from having just done something and think, where did that come from? Why did that come out of my mouth? Why did I behave in that way in that moment? Because I don't even know the motivations of my own heart. So why would I think I can know the motives of another person's heart? Can't figure out my own stuff, but I got everybody else's stuff pegged. It's a lie. It's a bogus belief. It leads to self-deception. Again, James, James 4, 12 says this, God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? It's kind of like God's word saying, who do you think you are? Who, who do you think you are? See, friends, this is a big bogus belief. And if, if we don't blow this one up, it will take us down a very, very dark path. Every time I choose to judge the heart motivation of another person. Every time I take a step farther away from the person of truth. You can't stay close with Jesus and judge the hearts of other people. You got to walk away from Jesus to do that. And every time you do, you get farther away from real truth. I wish I had time. We could go lots and lots of verses around this. I just want to give you one more. Galatians 6.3 says this. For if anyone thinks he is something, if you think you got it going on, you think you're, you, you, you know, you all that, and you, you can judge other people's hearts. You, you know, for if anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You live in self-deception when you think you got it going on. You're deeply deceived. And the person of truth says, don't judge others, and you judge others, you're walking away from him and the truth. Last bogus belief that I want to give you today, a lot of others, but last one I want to deal with today, is believing that I can sin without consequences. That will keep me from really knowing the truth. When I start thinking, you know, oh, nobody sees this sin. This won't hurt anybody. Uh, you know, it's just, just me. You know, I'm not hurting anybody else with it. I, 
I, I, I can get away with this. When I start buying into that bogus belief, man, my little, my little boat sunk. It's just, this one's, this one's, the Bible promises this. You will reap what you sow. It, it, it's going to happen. It's, it's a universal law. Galatians 6, 7 says this, do not deceive yourself. There's that phrase again. It's a bogus belief system. Do not deceive yourself. No one makes a fool of God. You will reap exactly what you plant. Whatever you plant is going to grow. It's going to grow somewhere in your life. If you're out there planting gossip about other people, guess what's going to happen? You're going to plant seeds of gossip about yourself. It's going to, people are going to gossip about you. If you start cheating others, guess what's going to happen? Someone's going to cheat you. If you live in an, with an arrogant attitude and you demean and dismiss other people, guess what's coming back on you? You're going to be eventually demeaned and, and dismissed because you reap what you sow. If you think, I can get away with this, it's a bogus belief. You're, you're self-deceived, the, the Bible says. Jesus, through the apostle John, spoke these words. He said, if we say we have no sin. Friends, one of the greatest bogus beliefs is believing that what I'm doing, even though God's word says it's sin, but I think, eh, no, God won't count this against me. It's not really sin. It's a bogus belief that, you know, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. It's another self-deception. And the truth isn't in us. And the Bible speaks to this. This one's a great one. Believing somehow that my sin doesn't matter. Believing somehow that this little, little thing that I think of isn't going to come back and, and wreak havoc in my lives and in the lives of people that I know. Now, th these were just seven. There are many, many, many more. But these are just some of the, for, for me, that I just see in our culture, uh, in our world, in my own life. Just these, these bogus beliefs that are so easy to buy into. And friends, we got to blow them up. So how do, how do we do that? How do we get breakthrough out of these, these bogus beliefs? How, how do we change this natural tendencies in, in us to, to, towards self-deception? How do we grow to know the truth? Because we can. I, you and I, we can grow to know truth. So I want to I close with kind of maybe three steps, maybe three ways past whatever you want to call them. Um, and in, in, in them, there's going to be two prayers. I want you to pay attention to the prayers because I really want to encourage you to make these prayers part of your prayer life, especially in this next week, okay? Let me give you the, the first one. The first one is this. If I want to grow uh, in truth, I need to ask God to make it clear. And I know that sounds very simple, but it's just true. If I want to grow in truth, if I want to get closer to truth, if I want to walk in the truth and worship in the truth, the starting place is go to God and say, God, you need to clarify what truth is for me. Because obviously I've been believing lots of lies. God, I'm, I'm seeing that my, my heart, my mind, I'm self-deceived, God, in so many ways. My, 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 my mind plays tricks on me. You know, most all of us have had people in our lives download false narratives into our minds. Words that are not true about you lies about your identity that are not true, that do not line up with what God says about you. And what you gotta do is you gotta figure out how do you blow those up? How do you blow those out? 
How do, you, how do you find breakthrough here? Well, Job understood this. When you get to close to the end of Job, you see Job starting to make some changes. You see Job asking God to, to clarify some things about truth for him. And in Job chapter 34, verse 32, this is a prayer that Job prays. He says, teach me what I do not see. If I have done iniquity, I'll do it no more. He's saying, point out what's going on in me, God. Friends, this is a great prayer. Lord, teach me what I cannot see. Every one of us have things in our lives that we can't see. We have blind spots. We've talked about this before. Things that we can't see about our own lives. And we need to go to God and say, God, would you clarify some things that, that I believe that are lies, these bogus beliefs? Will you clarify them for me so I can walk away from them? Because I don't want to do them anymore. I don't, they're, they're keeping me in captivity. I don't want them anymore. And God will honor that prayer. He will start bringing clarity into your life. Second thing that I would encourage you to do to grow to know truth is ask for help from those closest to you. Ask for some help from the people that God has put in close proximity to your life because they see. They see those, where those false narratives live in you, those bogus beliefs that where you're self-deceived, things you don't see about yourself. They see those blind spots. Now, they may not be able to see theirs, but they can see yours. And you can help each other. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says this, a fool, okay? This is the Bible now. God's word says a fool thinks he needs no advice. But a wise man listens to others. If you think for a moment, I'll figure this out by myself. I'll, I'll, I'll just figure it out. I don't, I, really, I don't need anybody else to, to teach me, to talk to me about my blind spots. There's a reason they're called blind spots. You can't see them. You need somebody else to look and, and see them for you. Fools, fools think they don't need the counsel of others. We need the people in our lives who are closest to us. Friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, he put people close to you. He put family and friends. He gave you small groups, and Bible study classes, and coworkers who are believers. He put those people in your life so that they can see you. Parents, if you want to know the truth about some of your blind spots, ask your kids. Young people, if you want to know the truth about some of your blind spots, ask your parents. And in love, tell each other. Let each other know. Because you got to come at this saying, I don't want them anymore. They're, they're, they're killing me. I don't want to live self-deceived. I want to walk in truth. I want to worship God in spirit and in truth. I want to live my life that way. I want to quit deceiving myself. Paul writes to the church at Corinth again, 2 Corinthians 13. He says this. He said, we need to examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you're holding to your faith or showing the proper fruits of it, test and prove yourself. How do you do that? Well, one of the ways you do it is through the closest relationships you have. Paul is saying, inspect the fruit of your faith. Test it. And one of the best tests is to ask somebody else, hey, do you see this happening? Am I growing in peace? Am I growing in patience? Am I growing in kindness and gentleness and faithfulness? Am I growing in love? 
Are those fruits coming out of my pursuit of faith, of my walk with the truth? Or am I just fooling myself? Am I self-deceived? Are all those places just blind spots? Ask God for clarity. Ask people close to you for help. And then lastly, ask Jesus to change you. Just, just ask him. If you want to grow to know truth, if you want to walk with Jesus, the person of truth, more intimately, ask Jesus to change you. He wants to. Jesus said, I am the truth. And if you know me, if you really know the truth, it will set you free. And Jesus wants you free. So he wants you closer to him so that your life will be filled with, with more truth. And what that means is those bogus beliefs will get blown up. They'll start to diminish. You'll start crawling out of the pit of self-deception and living in, in the freedom. See, Jesus wants you free for yourself, but he also wants you free for others. He wants you free so that you can defend your faith in a broken world. But he, we've got to be free to do that. We've got to have this foundation of freedom from which to fight. So we've got to walk away from these bogus beliefs. We've got to, we've got to be set free from those. And we've got to be set free to really hear from God who he sees us as, the, who, who, the true, who I truly am. Be connected to that kind of reality. And friends, this is part of the reason Jesus came in the flesh. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 39. He said, I have come into the world to give sight to those who are spiritually blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Jesus said, those of you that think you got it all figured out, I got news for you. You don't. You're spiritually blind. And those of you who are walking in blindness, I want to give you sight. I, I, I want to do that for you. I've come so that you can know your blind spots. I've come to help you get sight in those so you can really see yourself as you are and see yourself as I know you can be. Jesus wants us to be set free that way. And another great prayer to pray to help us move in that direction is a prayer that David prayed in Psalm 19. It starts with a declaration of truth. Notice, notice how this prayer starts. David says, none of us conceive our own errors. You, you got to start with believing that. Do you believe? Do you believe that you can't see your own errors? David starts his prayer that way. None of us, God including me, can see our, our own errors. And then he prays, deliver me, Lord. Friend, you need deliverance. I need deliverance. We, we all need deliverance from bogus beliefs that we've bought into. We, we, we need deliverance. Go on, notice what it says. Deliver me, Lord, from hidden faults. Deliver me from my blind spots. Deliver me from those places that I, I can't see, from those bogus beliefs. David said, deliver me. I want to be free of these things. I want to walk in truth. I want to I know the truth. I want to worship in truth. We've kind of come full circle now back to what Jesus told Pilate before Pilate even asked the question, what is true? Jesus answered the question with these words. Jesus said, for this purpose, I was born. For this purpose, I have come into the world 
two bear witness of truth. Jesus came so that you will see the truth, so that I will see the truth, so that we can walk in and, and, and know it. And if you really want to, Jesus said, he will make himself available to you because he is the person of truth. And you and I can know the truth, the person of truth, the person in whom all truth abides. And we can blow up bogus beliefs and he can pull us up out of our pits of self-deception because Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we come now. We come to give thanks to you as the way, the truth, and the life. And we come in this moment saying to you, oh God, because somewhere along the journey of the last 45 minutes, Spirit, you spoke into our hearts about a bogus belief we've bought into. And now we're at that moment where you want to give us breakthrough. You want to blow that, that bogus belief out of our hearts and minds, out of our lives, so that we can walk in truth. Walk with you, Jesus. You can pull us out of that pit, our own self-deceptive pit, to walk with you in, in marvelous freedom. And so we come again. We come saying, Jesus, we're not going to buy into that bogus belief any longer that we can just show up here, listen and walk away and somehow get changed. Life will be better. We're not buying into that lie anymore. We're coming in this moment, Jesus, saying whatever you have told us that we need to do, we're surrendering our lives to do it again. I kind of walked away from surrendering myself to it, but I'm coming back, Jesus. I'll surrender. I want to. Because I don't want to carry this. I don't want to live a lie anymore. I don't want to believe these false narratives. I want to walk in truth. I want to walk with you, the truth. And yes, God, I want, to, I want to defend truth out there, but today you're saying it's got to start in me. And so we come to surrender again. And I don't know what it is the Holy Spirit spoke to you about you need to surrender. What bogus belief you got to, you got to buy out of, buy into the truth of Jesus. Maybe for you, it was that belief that, that your sin won't have consequences. And maybe for the first time, you need to come to grips with the reality that your sin has separated you from God and that your sin will lead you to a place of eternal destruction if you don't cry out to God and let him know that you're trusting his son, Jesus, to overcome your penalty of sin, to pay your debt of sin to God because you realize there are consequences. And the Bible says if you will repent of that false narrative, that false belief, that self-deceptive thought that you can save yourself and you will turn to Jesus 
as the only one who can save you from your sin, the Bible says you'll be saved if you'll call on Jesus that way. And he'll pay the consequences of your sin. That's who he is. And you will be God's child for all eternity. Be bought with that great price of Jesus' death on the cross. And just like in the testimony of Teju baptism today, you can be raised to walk in newness of life in Christ. But most of us here today, we're just, we're back at that place where we're saying, God, you've shown me where I've walked away, where I've not walked in truth. And I choose in this moment to surrender it back to you, to give it back to you. I choose again this day to do what your word says do, to walk with you in, in truth so that I can be set free. So we come, Lord, right now. We come to surrender whatever it is you've called us to in these next moments. So as we worship, as we sing this closing song, you ask the Holy Spirit, what is it you want me to surrender? What bogus belief do you want me to let you blow up out of my life today? What do you want me to give to you, God? Jesus, we come now to worship you, to surrender to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
reveal himself to you so intimately and personally that you will know the truth and be set free. Set free from any bogus belief that you've bought into and set free to take the truth, the person of truth, out into a world desperate to know that you'll be able to defend your faith out there because it's been integrated in your soul. May that God of all mercy and grace fill your hearts. God bless you, and I hope to see you soon.